and we're back <laughs> we're back <laughs> all right so here's the thing you sent me and i'm not blaming you completely because i did not look at the episode title i just looked at that you said we are doing season one episode 12 and these notes are for episode eight and i did not watch it's, episode eight it, episode eight is the episode of the podcast oh well silent but, enemy is the episode of the show but i just watched do you still have access to the cr pod schedule i don't know i can look yeah silent enemy is episode 12 of the show but the episode no. of the podcast is episode eight episode 12 of the show is dear doctor Mm, nope. I'm looking at it right now in front of me on my screen. Season oh. one, episode 12 is Dear Doctor. Where, where, are, you, where are you looking at that? On Paramount Plus. Oh, see. <laughs> uh, Paramount Plus. That's weird because that's not, that's not what I'm getting from the list on Wikipedia and the list on uh, Star Trek Son Chronology Project. But I think we may be in luck. So Silent Enemy is where the greed spaceship keeps appearing. They have to adjust the <laughs> lasers. Yeah. So lucky for you, I did <laughs> watch that one today. <laughs> but we need to do two then, Todd. You've got it. Dibs have been called. Without further ado. Incoming transmission. The Klingon word of the day is knob. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Engaged. So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beam me up. Resistance is futile. Live long and prosper. And welcome to the Computer Resume Podcast, the show covering the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old. I'm your host, writer-comedian, Mr. Todd A. Davis. And fresh back from ATL and getting his first COVID shot, it's Mr. Gary Horn! Yay! I've got faith of the heart. <laughs> did, you, did you get a shot and it gave you faith of the heart? That's how you get it. That's, That's it. That is how you get it. <laughs> It's the microchip that comes with the COVID vaccine. <laughs> it actually has just like a radio transmission the entire time it's playing that song. And so <laughs> it doesn't really cure COVID so much as that it eliminates you from ever having to deal with it because you kill yourself. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> How you been, man? I've been good. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. Now, it's, we actually recorded yesterday. Pull back the curtain for folks. You're fresh. Oh, back it sounded from like we were just seeing each other for the first time in a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's okay. That's all right. Tell folks uh, real quick what you were doing in ATL because it's super fascinating. <laughs> oh, well, I have, And I have a ton of questions about it. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, I was at uh, the NWA taping. So the NWA is the National Wrestling Alliance. And I have a podcast called This Is Pro Wrestling. So we do live streams and just deep dive on like the history of pro wrestling. One of the brands that has really embraced this is the National Wrestling Alliance. And they're like a smaller branded company, but they're run by the lead singer of the Smashing Pumpkins, Mr. William Patrick Corgan, Billy Corgan. Anyway, they gave us access. They, they were having closed tapings. They did a pay-per-view and they did TV production for their next like eight episodes, all in a studio, Georgia Public Television Studios in Atlanta. And uh, we were able to to go there and be backstage and hang out and just 
chill with the wrestlers. It's actually really fascinating for folks. And we'll get to Star Trek in a minute. Don't worry. We're going to get Or will we? But it's really fascinating from a production side. Anybody who's made a podcast knows you kind of try to record at least a little bit ahead to give yourself some time to edit. And if you can, bank a couple episodes in case you go out of town or holidays, you get sick, whatever. It's kind of cool because I think most people's perception of professional wrestling is the big arenas thing, but they brought back the old studio wrestling. So it's only like seating on one side and they record for like two or three days and that's their whole season of episodes, right? That's right. Yeah. So they did a pay-per-view on Sunday, which was like a live event. So that was streaming out to everyone at the time it was happening. The next two days were long long days like they were literally taping i think it was a total of eight episodes so pretty much four episodes a day now the episodes are a little bit shorter they're roughly about an hour yeah they're just under an hour so usually like 45 50 minutes probably Mm -hmm. is about where most of them seem like they're gonna land as opposed to like two three four hour episode of big label wrestling And it would be one thing if it was just straight through, because like a lot of wrestling takes place live, like right in front of you, but they do take advantage of the fact that it's taped. And so you do have starts and stops and that sort of thing, you know, just for unforeseen circumstances that happen, just a peek behind the curtain. I won't name names. So there's not to embarrass anybody. Not that they probably care about Star Trek, but I don't know. But (laughs) uh, I was watching a women's match live there and one of the girls tops came unhooked in the middle of the match whoops and uh <laughs> no we didn't see anything so it wasn't no, like no, it was no. super embarrassing for her but <laughs> you could see like during the match uh the one girl had the other and like a headlock and the top came unhooked around her neck so it started to fall so she's trying to hold it up and they're still trying to go through it and you could tell there's like some communication because the other girl like takes her down on the ground and is like laying on her trying to give her a chance to adjust and That's eventually cool. it gets to a point where like the one girl who's the ring general we'd call her like she's kind of the boss in the ring she kind of gets up and she's just like we can't we got to stop for a second and then they had to repair the girl's wardrobe uh, right well that's kind of uh, that's kind of the cool thing what you started saying about because there is communication between the opponents in the ring you try to position so that you know not to lose kayfabe or anything like that so you try to put them in position so that they can do what they need to do to get back to the program that's the cool like artistry part of it because you're trying to make those quick adjustments Yeah, they're really playing to an audience that's just the crew filming the thing. And then us, there's like eight or nine of us. Sorry, I know this is a Star Trek thing, but uh, I'm a big fan of Star Trek and I also love wrestling. So maybe you guys out there would find the same. Um, They bring in some like indie guys to put the ring together to take it apart, to go grab the wardrobe, like the wrestling. There's a tiered system to like learning the way to interact in wrestling there's still like a classic way things are done and so there's like these indie Mm. guys that are there that are like the new wrestlers and their whole job is to be at everybody's beck and call like they're the new guys in japan they call them the young boys that's what they call them and they're like the rookies and they're there they go fetch the wrestler's jacket when he takes it off like when he gets in the ring and he needs to hand it out to somewhere yeah So it's us and them that are sitting out there. So anyway, like these girls, they're like wrestling and they're playing to an audience of the cameramen and us sitting over in the corner, like cheering and booing and stuff like that. But they still tried to maintain the story. They tried to maintain the match. They're still staying in character the whole time, which is pretty interesting. It was just that was the one time where something actually happened. And they're like, okay, we got to stop this pause. Yeah. To bring it back to Star Trek, I feel like the studio wrestling now is kind of like when you had, because you had studio wrestling back in like the 60s and 70s, right? Yeah, and even in the 80s, like there was a lot like in the early 80s. Yeah, so you had this really great period of wrestling and then studio kind of went away for a while and now it's back. It's kind of like when you saw those original episodes in their original format with original special effects. And now when you go to watch the original series, And it's got all those remastered special effects and they've cleaned up the footage and it looks like they shot it yesterday. That's kind of what this is. It's new wrestling, but with like this old school feel in it. It's a lot of fun. It's really, really cool. That's actually really good, Todd. That's a great comparison to make. Uh, so we had a little confusion here uh, about what episodes we were watching and what we're doing, but, but I think we pulled it together, right? You did watch silent enemy. 
Yeah. So the thing is, is what I did is Todd enterprise is special. And, <laughs> and, and here's the thing. The, the listeners can't see your air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a huge Star Trek fan, but enterprise has taken me a little time to get with, but I'm trying to give it the benefit of the doubt because you know, I did a rewatch recently where I went through the original series and Next Gen, and Next Gen's season one is also not fantastic. Sure. And so, like, I'm trying to give it a chance to, like, grow on me. But what I ended up doing is I got, like, three or four episodes in, and then I had kind of fallen off a little bit until you told me you were going to have me come back. And then, so what I did was I was like, that's a lot to catch up with going from, like, episode four to episode 12, which is where the confusion was for us. But I was like, what can I do? So I Googled lists of the most important episodes that you yeah. needed from season one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so luckily, Silent Enemy was one of the ones that people mention regularly. It's and, a solid uh, episode. So this leads me to reiterating to folks, hey, look, different platforms may list the episodes differently. They may list them in order that they appeared in a DVD or Blu-ray set. They may list them in order by the date which they aired. They may list them by their production date, which can be different sometimes. And so on. But again, for this show, for this podcast, we are going by the Star Trek Chronology Project. Literally just Google Star Trek Chronology Project. It's a blog uh, through Blogspot, but the folks there have put together a really fascinating, very extensive list of all the episodes and the movies and where they fall in the timeline. And so on. And that's what we're using for the basis for this show. There will be a couple instances where we discuss Star Trek adjacent things, like Star Wars, BSG, Firefly, Orville. But you guys will get plenty of notice when we're about to do those episodes. And those episodes aren't going to be for a while yet. So I really want to kind of get into Enterprise because I don't think it's as bad as everybody makes it out to be. It definitely is not a perfect show. I will be the first to admit that. And it has some glaring, it has some glaring missteps. But the more you get into it, it really does start to pick up. And some of the behind the scenes type stuff is just as fascinating. And we're going to get into some of that today. So let's get into this week's recap. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. I think people thought I was stiff, distant, and weird. <laughs> but there is a perfectly good explanation for that. Uh, what's that? I am stiff, distant, and weird. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the ship isn't equipped to handle the threats we're coming up against. Just because we're not looking for a fight doesn't mean we'll run away from one. Humans don't give up easily. An all-new Enterprise. So Enterprise is dropping some tin cans with strings so they can send dick pics back to Earth faster when an alien ship walks up like, what? Archer hails them, no response. He wonders why. To Paul's like, maybe they're just not that into you. Kind of like our audience. Then the ship grabs a pick, causes some serious feedback on the mic, and bounces. Bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad. Archer's like, damn, I'm tired of being the only one who brings a knife to a gunfight. Let's go back home so they can... The aliens come back and put Enterprise up on blocks and jump on board. They've come to anally probe me! Ha ha ha! Third kind. Travis is like, I know they're on our Dunzo list, but we could call the Vulcans. Fool this man! Two days later, Enterprise finds an empty lot to pop off a few rounds and destroys a mountain. T'Pol finds that the aliens left one of those Wi-Fi hotspot thingies and it's messing with the ship's systems. Archer's like, You want some? Come get some! Then the aliens come back, because why not? But Archer's all, Hey, Reed, you know how you blew up that mountain? Hit it again, man. So they do. And it does. And they did. Now, side note here. The B-plot of this episode has Hoshi trying to learn what Reed's favorite food is. She does this by convincing Doc Flocks to give her details from his medical records. It's a good thing to know HIPAA isn't preventing birthday cakes in the future. That's a good point. <laughs> so, Gary, since you did cover the pilot, you've been on before this episode and after the pilot, right? Yeah. Have I? Yeah, I think so. I don't know, man. I think I, I just did the in. pilot. Let me find it, damn it. You don't ever call me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> In 
Is this um, your first time back? I think so. This is, yeah. Justin's bet. Justin was on twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so this is your first time back. So I'm did always you did you watch seconds for Justin? <laughs> <laughs> what episodes did you watch between the pilot and now? Because I'm curious what you found that are considered essential viewing. Sure. So I definitely watched the first three as I'm looking through right now. I've got Paramount Plus right in front of me. Two had me sold. Like I thought two was really good where they find the abandoned ship and there's all the dead aliens in it. Right. Kind of into that episode. Yeah. So the Strange New World was interesting where they get like all paranoid and weird Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. uh, wasn't my favorite. But I think so far Broken Bow was probably the best, most well done. But two was probably my most like, okay this is a Star Trek crew together on things. And this makes sense. The next one that came up in the recommended essentials list Mm -hmm. was the Andorian incident. I was just about to say, I bet it's Andorian incident. (laughs) So yeah, the Andorian incident showed up in multiple lists. So Mm. I definitely watched that. And I thought it was very, very good. Yeah. Directed Um, by Roxanne Dawson, uh, who plays Belana Torres in Voyager. I did not know that. I did not do much research on that episode. Oh, no. So that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Fred Decker did the teleplay for that one. That was it's a good episode. And the quote unquote sequel to that episode is coming up in the not too distant future. Shadows of Pajem. Well, what's interesting about it is, is like what you want, I feel like out of I know this episode's not about that one, but it's the first time I saw this series do some really neat stuff where it starts to appear to matter to the continuity of Star Trek. And so that's cool. Like, I mean, the first episode's obviously going to have the fact that like, oh, hey, here's the early crew. This is the first Enterprise, the first warp drive capable ship. But the Andorian incident has this play on stuff like here's the Vulcans who we always know as these sciencey and holier than thou people. And yep. kind of... <laughs> too sometimes so (laughs) it's kind of fun in that way because that's i i mean i feel like one of the first times i've really seen a dark side of the vulcans in that way Mm. it's like they're also conniving in their own way you know and yeah they have earth to side with them they have such a specific culture in rejecting emotion that the fact that they reached out during first contact was kind of a part on the vulcan survey team who decided to land and see what was going on and I'm sure they got their ass chewed out by the high command going, are you kidding? <laughs> really? You, you could see that. Yeah, you could totally see that now. They are just, just a step above knuckle dragging. Like, <laughs> what were you doing? What were you thinking? Not to mention Jeffrey Combs is in that episode, by the yes. way, too. And, oh, yeah. Uh, so as the, first of, the first of many Star Trek appearances for Jeffrey Combs. So all very cool stuff in the Andorian incident. I really like how it played out and you get some character development, which is always a thing with like all of these series, by the way, when there's like a hundred episodes of a series, like, you know, nowadays you get like 12 episode seasons, but these, mm-hmm. these guys have like 20 something episodes. So it's, yeah. it takes a little bit longer, but that's a, I did agree with the decision to make that an essential episode because you get how Archer's going to handle this situation between these two races and yeah. then the betrayal by the Vulcan or like the not not betrayal but the sneakiness of the vulcans i am very very sneaky sir and even with to kind of being like ah holy <laughs> well that's rough like uh, <laughs> yeah i guess we'll give the andorians their evidence for us being <laughs> oh yeah well it's <laughs> and it's so funny because as many eye roll inducing scenes as there are i mean in keeping in mind archer is not a diplomat He's a pilot that they put in charge of this ship and just, okay, you dropped off the Klingon. Okay. Yeah. Just keep going. What a terrible idea. But as they go, and this seems to be the running motif for at least American technology development and probably all earth technology, I would imagine is we tend to run before we can walk. Hell, Tony Stark said it. That tends to be our MO more often than not. So when we see Archer do dumb things, be it as a captain or as a diplomat or as just another guy on the ship, every now and then we get a couple of glimpses of, oh, we got to make a call about this thing. Uh, Maybe we should have something like a phaser cannon. And and that's when we as the audience, and I find myself doing this going like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, yeah, do that. That's going to work. And that's going to work out really great. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But But you kind of, As we're seeing this crew progress, 
we roll our eyes at their dumb decisions, but when they do make a decision that we know later on down the road is going to be a really great thing, not just for them in their ship, but as the franchise goes on, we cheer even harder for that. And maybe, maybe that's the point. I've been trying to figure out the point of a lot of this stuff because a lot of people I feel look at Enterprise like it's Phantom Menace. Like, don't need to see him as a little kid. Let's pick up the pace. Let's get to it. But I think there's a bunch of stuff here that, you know, if you slowly work your way through this series, by the end of it, you're going to find yourself on board with the crew. I love this discussion. And I have a couple of unscientific thoughts for that. I think that to your point about Enterprise, I think part of its problem is that it showed up in a weird time in human history, as odd as that is. But, but with the transition of the way television was viewed and the way things happened, like our intake of shows, like nowadays it's rarer that like somebody just launches like a 25 episode season one of something. It's harder to jump in on something like that at mm-hmm. certain points. Mm-hmm. And so I think, especially in the way that television's consumed now, in most cases, you wouldn't do that. If there wasn't an option to stream it somewhere so that you could kind of follow along or go back and binge the series oh, yeah. and catch up. Keep in mind, arguably one of the greatest sitcoms of all time, The Office, the American version, season one is only six episodes. And that was a very successful show over in England. And they My had wife and I are cast. watching Seinfeld right now. Seinfeld, and- yeah. And season one of that's only like six or seven episodes. Yeah, but I think, like you said, because they got fully greenlit so early on, they're going to have some growing pains. They're going to be really painful and they're going to be plentiful. Yeah. And so essentialists are cool because I think by the time I got to Silent Enemy, which luckily was another one listed on the few lists that I looked at. And I, I looked at several just to see as I was getting through, because I didn't want to miss anything important. Dear Doctor was heavily mentioned after the Andorian incident. Silent Enemy was in there enough that I did pick it. And I think those episodes are cool for like if, let's see, how do I want to put this thought together? I think what helps and hurts Star Trek at the same time Mm -hmm. is that there are these seasons of 20 something episodes. And for an outsider to just jump into this many episodes of some stuff, you're like, God, that is so much stuff to like consume over over 50 years. Yeah. And you're just like, this is killing me. Like, how how do you just jump into that? You know, but it's where the beauty part of now is it's like my wife can get into Voyager really quick and be interested enough to maybe want to explore what came before. Mm -hmm. But so like somebody wants to jump into Enterprise, maybe it takes a minute to fall in love with the crew and you need a good four or five episodes to like really invest in. And so essentialists are good for that because like I got to silent enemy and then by the end of dear doctor, which is the next one, I'm like, man, I kind of like this crew. Like I'm with this and it makes me kind of want to go back. I'm not sure if I will, but I mean, it kind of does. And I think it hurts you that there's so much, but I think also one thing that endears it is if it gets you and you watch, if you spend enough time that in one season, you watch 25 episodes of Star Trek, you also probably feel a connection to all of these people. So that's another thing that I think in that sense, it helps Star Trek because you do feel a real love for the next gen crew at Voyager at Deep Space Nine because you're like, I spent so much time with these people. Yeah, I know all of their intricacies. I know everything about all of these people. That was the thing back in the day. TV was not viewed the way it is now. And there was a very big divide between film and television. And while film stars were thought to be the most glamorous and have the biggest amount of money and travel all over the world, the TV stars, and this became a bigger thought later on, the TV stars actually had bigger fan base. They were held closer by the audience because instead of having to go out to a theater They turned on their television. They made the effort to bring those characters into their home. Right. That's what we're doing with Star Trek here because it is still television. And to watch it, 
now you have more options. You know, you can watch it on your computer, phone, tablet, you know, Paramount Plus. It's great. And and when you watch it, like at those times, it was yeah. like appointment TV. Exactly. Like you had to you had to do it when you, you know, when yes. it happened. Yes, exactly. And now it's a little bit easier to fit these characters into your lives. So when you hang on for 20, 25 episodes, you become locked in. And you and, like, screw it. I'm in it now. Yeah. I gotta know yeah. what happens. <laughs> yeah. Let's get into a, a little thing I wanted to ask about, you know, so they get contacted by the, well, they don't get contacted. They just kind of, someone just kind of stands in front of them. Like the, like the bully kid in the hallway, like what, what you going to do? But they don't yeah, say, they don't say anything. <laughs> so you just came back from dealing with some pretty intimidating individuals <laughs> and you've had experiences before with i always think famously you meeting the undertaker right right i love yeah. that i love that story and these guys are our titans they are extension of greek mythology and we see them as larger than life and in many ways they are quite literally larger than life but has there been anybody and you can kind of lump in your experiences pre-NWA and what you've just gone through. Has there been anybody that turned you because of your personal interaction with them? Or were they kind of standoffish? Or did they drop the kayfabe and, and you saw who they really were? Did you get the silent treatment from anybody who you were clearly happy to see? <laughs> okay, so I can think of one right now from this past weekend, actually. I guess I shouldn't say his name and nobody <laughs> would know anyway, but he's actually a legendary figure, more like a wrestler from the seventies and early eighties. Mm. And he has some interactions here and he was there and he's doing a lot with the NWA. And I was excited to get a chance to talk to him and he could not drop the kayfabe. Like he could not, oh. <laughs> like it just seemed like he couldn't be a real person. And he was very happy when I was blowing smoke up his ass. Like, oh, it's so great to meet you. It's an honor, which is just polite. And also true. I mean, I'm happy yeah. to meet you and, you know, and all that stuff. But then once that whole thing is over, he's like, I don't really have time for you. <laughs> just like you know <laughs> that kind of thing and, and uh, scene <laughs> yeah, it's like we're done here you're done smd i'm out <laughs> and, and so he's like I, i'm too busy for this and wow. uh, so it was kind of it was kind of disappointing but to your example this situation seemed a lot like the undertakers at the end of the hall like you're backstage for your first wrestling event and then it's like poke their head around and they kind of stare at you for a minute and you're like oh hey man How's it going? And they don't say anything. They just stare at you for a minute and then they go back to their dressing room. Eventually, as you walk further down the hall, maybe they poke their head around and you're like, hey, hey, what's up? And they walk over to you and they like slap you in the face. <laughs> just like, and they just stare at you some more. And then they walk back to their dressing room. <laughs> like they're just interested to see what you're going to do about it. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And so like a lot of us, even Archer for a moment, I might be like, I got to go back to my room. <laughs> like, I, should, I should go home now. I am not prepared for John Cena to slap me in the face. <laughs> I'll keep his name out of it. Mostly because he pissed me off this much. This has been some years ago at a comic book convention. Kat and I met uh, one of our, at the time, favorite artists on a very popular book. And and I'll go ahead and bleep myself. He could not have been more of a fuck <laughs> to me and my <laughs> wife. <laughs> Where we came up and we're just like, oh man, we really love this project. And he he signed the book. And because he was such a dick, it didn't bother me that I left the book at his table and we just left. <laughs> you yeah, that's jerk. Crazy, man. You it's... absolute jerk. <laughs> yeah. It's like now, these, these little interactions mean the world to somebody. Yeah. And I get it. You're a busy dude, but now come on, man. I met the writer of the same project, an absolute sweetheart of a guy. And I was just like, wow, these people are so different. <laughs> Yeah, it's tough. And sometimes those make for good partnerships. But yeah, it also, I know at least for this guy, you know, since you got me thinking about it now, here I am. It's that 
I was like, dude, you were a hit in the early eighties. I am like putting it on for you too. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. do me the favor, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, just like, <laughs> let's pretend to be interested in each other for a minute. And you don't have time. I'm like, uh, come on, man. <laughs> like, just, be an ass, but that's really you're gonna big league me <laughs> oh gosh yeah there's all kinds of people in this world there's all kinds of people in this universe and they're going i mean to- i get it if you're tom cruise or something and you're regularly pulling millions of dollars that it's like yeah you you probably are too hot for me to talk to but <laughs> it's like at a certain point you get a little respect for yourself too and you're like come on dude like yeah. we're all we're all adults here we're all just doing yeah. our job like let's <laughs> let's just be respectful of yeah, each other exactly <laughs> you'd almost appreciate it more if you were just like hey it's really nice to meet you i'm kind of in the zone i gotta go and just left you know that 100 yeah. happened dude like yeah. that i mean again not to spend forever on this but yeah i mean that 100 happened especially during tapings you know you'd have the guys that walk by and they're like hey man what's up hey sorry i'm in the zone right this second sorry i'll catch up with you later i gotta focus on what i'm doing oh yeah being backstage for a bunch of comedy shows you see comedians do that too like you can tell someone's going over their set in their head and like trying to make sure they hit all the beats and you know maybe a younger comedian comes up and tries to interact with them and you and you really have to go hey not trying to be a jerk or anything but like i'm trying to work here (laughs) yeah and to be honest you know that's a that's very much an apprentice craft trade like wrestling where the newer folks may not know so you have to tell them (laughs) so what we're saying is it's like these freaking tall lanky ass aliens if they could have just said hey i don't know how to feel about you enterprise (laughs) you're new here in this neighborhood and i don't really have time for this yeah (laughs) i'm just but they they kind of came across as bullies i guess more than that what gary and i are trying to impart to you the listening audience is that you if you see us in the street please leave us alone yeah or (laughs) if you see or if you see scott bacula in the street and he tries to big league you (laughs) listen scott come on man hey sam just relax okay don't make me quantum leap my foot up your ass (laughs) sam (laughs) (laughs) gain all that archer (laughs) how did you feel about uh hoshi trying to figure out what uh do you have a favorite food that you haven't told people about, Gary? Yeah, I don't think so. And also, if you were to catch me on most days, there's not a food that I dislike generally. Okay. So, <laughs> so I'm kind of cool with whatever. Uh, <laughs> for a moment, if we could reflect on Hoshi, I have developed yeah. a serious crush on Hoshi. I, <laughs> I love her so much. Aww. And Hoshi is by far my favorite person on the Enterprise right now. And I think she's cute and she's fun and she's just, <laughs> I want, I want to date her. Uh, <laughs> it seems like she's really there for the love of linguistics. Like Travis is there because he loves flying ships. Yeah. Those are the people I like though. And I mean, I get that from Archer too. Don't get me wrong. Like Archer has that same, like kind of gung ho mentality for most of it. He gets put in position of, of like having to make the decision. It's weird in Star Trek. A lot of people just want to explore stuff, but then you find out there's some people that are going to be jerks. So she finds out what he likes through Doc Flocks clearly violating HIPAA and giving her details about uh, his records. Now, you know, maybe in the future things are different, but you actually had to call in reinforcements when you had a whole bunch of wrestlers. (laughs) Tell them what happened. So there's these wrestlers that are very violent in the ring, but but, you know, when you meet them backstage, some of them are very cool. And like, we happened to run into one in the back. His name is Matt Cross. He was in the back and, and just, I was having casual conversation with him. And it just so happened. It was on a night where he was like, Hey man, I just flew in. Like, I don't have a car and I was going to Uber back to the hotel, but I also need food. Like, where are you guys going? Like what, what's going on? And we're like, Oh, well we'll go find Matt Cross food. You know, we were, we were happy to, it's a cool chance to hang out with a wrestler. At the same time, we we have quite the bond with a very popular women's wrestler right now, Thunder Rosa, and you can find her on all over TV right now. She's been very cool to us, and we're texting back and forth, and we're like, hey, man, we got Matt Cross. Like, are you guys hungry? And, like, she's there, and she's got a bunch of her girls that train under her, 
And she's like, actually, yeah, like we're hungry. Like, where do you guys want to go? So it then became, wow, actually, this was my time of captaining a ship. I think it was really weird. It was, nice. uh, we're all in Atlanta. None of us are from Atlanta. So then I have to figure out where we're going to eat. So then I pick Yard House because we had gone there for lunch and it was right down the street. And I'm like, oh, easy money. We'll go to Yard House. And uh, so I tell them all that. And Thunder Rosa and her girls Uber there. And it, it's called uh, the station. It's like a square of town that's just you walk around in. There's no driving in it. So you have to walk through it. You get to the art house. So me and uh, Doc, who's my co-host, and uh, and Matt Cross, we show up and we're all there. And then the art house is no longer seating. So, uh, mm. yeah. So then we're out in Atlanta at, say, 11 p.m. And we're trying to figure out, well, now what do we do? <laughs> and uh we don't know where anything is and so we're trying to find a place to eat and then you're trying to figure out what is everybody like and nobody likes telling you what they like to eat i know that sounds strange on this episode that his own parents don't know what he likes to eat yeah uh, which they didn't really cover why that is i guess just nobody knows him well uh <laughs> but then you ask people what they want to eat and everybody's like, oh, I don't care anything. And you're like, all right, well, uh, what about this? And then somebody pipes up like, nah, I don't like that. And then you're like, well, so you do care. So you should. <laughs> but this is okay because I've been married for a little while now and that's my wife every oh, yeah. weekend. So uh, <laughs> yeah, but oh, we, we've anyway. had that discussion plenty in this house as well. <laughs> exactly so we're driving around and what it takes eventually is we we end up getting an uber xl and we all get in it to go towards this one place that thunder rosa picks which ends up being a food truck in the middle of a dark parking lot that appears <laughs> to be close and then all the girls are like nah man we're not doing this this is weird <laughs> And so luckily for us, what ended up happening is we had a great Uber driver. We had a great pilot who chived in and was like, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to find food? Like, I know some spots in Atlanta. <laughs> he like nice. finally got us to an all night diner. Trust Travis Mayweather. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Travis got ridiculous. us to the 24-7 diner. And that was fantastic. It was an awesome experience. But yeah. I was messaging Justin because he's supposed right. to be. He's the Vulcan <laughs> high command. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, hey, dude, you go out a lot and, <laughs> in Atlanta. Where are places to eat? Help me not look like a complete doofus in this moment where I have all these people counting on me to find somewhere to eat. But Travis saved me. Thank you, Travis. What did Matt Cross end up eating? Static curiosity. He ate salmon and rice. That's a good wrestler eating, eating healthy. Yeah. That was all of them. You know, the only Thunder one who was the same thing. Yeah. Except she also had a bloody Mary. She, she was like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. She got in on a bloody Mary. And so we were drinking, but the other girls, they were like, well, that was another, I mean, if we're telling these stories, that was another awkward point. I was trying to make a joke at one point. This was a fun one to walk back. They were all like, God, we still got taping tomorrow too. So that we can't eat just anything. And so they're like picking out the salad that they want. The one girl was like, I just want like a bowl of fries. Like I want so many fries. And I'm like, yeah, but then you got to take off all your clothes tomorrow. And she's like, why do I have to take off my clothes? And I was like, no, because you're a wrestler. She's like, oh, I thought you were saying like you were going to have me take off. I was like, no, 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 wait, no. And, uh, so it was a very awkward conversation. But anyway. How to make friends and influence people by Gary Horn. <laughs> right. yeah. Better not eat fries because tonight you take it off them clothes. Ew. <laughs> well, speaking of some very interesting people, this episode was written by Andre Bormanis. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And uh, while this is his first entry in the timeline, he began as a science consultant on NextGen and worked on Deep Space Nine and Voyager. But that was after he got his bachelor's in physics and a grant from NASA. So <laughs> you two kids can be on Star Trek. All you have to do is be a genius. <laughs> so if you're a super nerd and you want to really delve into like the phaser cannon aspect of this episode be my guest but i would pick a different episode to try to pick apart the right. science on <laughs> because that's probably the thing this guy cared about on this one yeah this episode was also directed by winrich colby and uh i mean he's born in germany so i am probably not pronouncing that correctly and i, I do apologize uh but he came to the u.s to study architecture 
He was drafted in the Vietnam War. He served as an artillery spotter in the army, kind of like Reed, you know, aiming the aiming the thing, doing doing the stuff. He began his career in television after that in the 1970s, and he was an associate producer for the original Battlestar Galactica, where he also uh, directed an episode. And prior to his work on Star Trek, he worked on a variety of series, including episodes of Knight Rider, which I loved as a kid. Same. Knight Rider, a shadowy flight into the dangerous world of a man who does not exist. He also did, uh, he also spent some time on Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, and he also did Spencer for Hire, starring Avery Brooks, who he would go on to direct in Deep Space Nine. Avery Brooks, of course, plays Benjamin Sisko. So Colby uh, directed 48 episodes of Star Trek overall across four different series, including 16 episodes of Next Gen, 18 episodes of Voyager, 13 episodes of Deep Space Nine, and this an episode of Enterprise. Uh, this is his first episode in the chronology, and it was his last episode that he directed of Star Trek before he unfortunately passed away in September 2012 uh, after oh. years of failing health. So uh, Bon Voyage, Winrich Colby, thank you for your contributions, and we can't wait to explore what you've done in our future as part of this franchise thank you very much yeah um hollow winrick uh that yeah. that's that's cool stuff man um yeah. and after, can tell and this- after his death uh, uh sorry to cut you off there but after no, his fine. death uh a memorial award in his name was awarded in 2013 as part of the savannah college of art and designs film and television departments Academy Awards. I don't know. I mean, you just spent some time in Georgia, but have you gone to uh, Savannah at all? Have you been to, around the Savannah College of Art and Design? You know, I grew up in Georgia, and, and oddly enough, I've only gone to Savannah like once or twice besides Man. like driving through. This portion of the episode is brought to you by the Savannah Bureau of Tourism. Savannah is a really cool place. If you have the means to get there, I highly recommend it. Tons of movies and TV shows have been shot there. Some of the best food. The art district is crazy. The history there is amazing. Uh, if you like haunted things, it's one of the most haunted cities in America. It's a really cool place. And the Savannah College of Art and Design, their stuff is all over the historic district. It's really, really cool. I really dig that they uh, they gave a shout out as part of their uh, 2013 uh, Scademy Awards. So again, bon voyage, Winrich Colby. Thank you. That's sad, man. But you, you can tell that this guy, he gets a little bit about what the fun part of star trek like yeah. he definitely knows how to shoot like the action sequences of star trek like yeah so this episode definitely has like the space battle part of it and mm-hmm. uh so like the fun aspects of it he he definitely gets and even even just inside the enterprise where you're you're dealing with the shots of like the guys trying to figure out the frequency of the phaser or whatever it is you know yeah. like just that whole aspect of it he has that tension down like a wrath of cod kind of thing like just the mm-hmm. fun space battle anyway. right well uh, to me this episode really has the space battle stuff which you just mentioned Gary and then also you know, I mentioned the B plot, but getting those really intricate character moments of Hoshi questioning his parents and his sister, and the, but then the, you have a moment there where Reed and Trip get in each other's faces about the technology on the ship. It's a good point. Yeah, yeah. And the other part is being able to integrate not only the space battles and the fun, sometimes tense character moments. But you also had a bit of a horror movie element when these aliens boarded the ship and are walking around doing their stuff. So, you know, in terms of direction, man, this guy knocked it out of the park, integrating all those different types of visual styles and working with the characters. So you never... You never lost where you were. Sad that he isn't still around because I would love to see what he could do on the newer series. Yeah, he's definitely one of those guys who does seem to have like a special touch that not as well known as he should be probably, but there's a reason he got such consistent work. Yeah. And again, to have your name attached to anything Star Trek is so cool that you're part of this big lineage of American pop culture. So getting into some of the guest stars, uh, we have Jane Carr as Mary Reed, Reed's mom. You might have seen her in Austin Powers 2 or Rob Zombie's 31, but interesting for Gary, she was in three episodes of Gilmore Girls. 
There she is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's uh she's she's quite the character actor. She's got a pretty extensive resume. I'm sure most of our audience will recognize her from something. I, I've just given a couple of highlights here. As Malcolm's dad, we have Guy Sinner. Uh, he was on Seinfeld and Babylon 5. But the interesting thing here is Sinner is one of 10 actors to appear in both the Star Trek and Doctor Who franchises. I think earlier in this podcast, I made the comparison that Star Trek is America's Doctor Who. It's been running for a long time. There's a big history there. Behind the scenes is sometimes just as fascinating as what's happening in front of the camera. It is. It's almost, yeah, you can see the bouncing around of crews as opposed to doctors and that sort of thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So that's a little interesting fact. Thank you, uh, Jane and Guy, for portraying reed's parents in a very uh very interesting and very british way it was it was really it was really fun to see and then we have paula malcolmson as madeline reed some of her tv credits include lost caprica sons of anarchy did you ever watch sons of anarchy i never have watched sons of anarchy dudes i know everybody tells me that all the time yeah and they Um, tell me like i look like when i wear my knit cap they tell me i look like that one dude and i can't remember opie yeah yeah i I can see that oh wow yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) but she's also been on fringe and archer krypton and hbo's watchmen uh her film credits include tombstone dunstan checks in the green mile hamlet with ethan hawk personally one of my favorite versions of hamlet Spielberg's AI and she played Katniss Everdeen's mom in the Hunger Games. That's probably her real big credit there. Yeah, I always remember her from Tombstone. Like uh, I recognized her immediately. Like just uh she plays Wyatt Earp's wife yeah. in Tombstone. She's another one of those people who's all over the place. Oh yeah. And that's really the fun thing about getting into these character actors is seeing every little thing that they've had their hands in. Anything else jump out at you about this about this episode? It did strike me as interesting when they when they did first run up on this ship and the idea that they couldn't do anything about hailing the ship and the ship wasn't responding and then even when the ship attacks them that they were not prepared offensively to deal with this ship. I guess in the lore of Star Trek, it's imported in that way. Like it's, it's like a first encounter with like a highly advanced, like we're not ready to deal with this ship and the thoughts that might have gone through their mind. So you're seeing Archer deal with like this, questioning himself and, and yeah, that sort of thing. To me, this is kind of that first instance of like, you know what? Starfleet doesn't always make the right decisions because they left space dock early without all their equipment and everything they needed. And then once they were out there, Starfleet said, yeah, just keep going. As opposed to, hey, you probably want to come back to space dock and get the rest of your ship put together. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> oh, you'll you'll be fine. Just go on, go on, go ahead. Like even with the, like we, we're talking about Andorian incident, like mm-hmm. the you see a different side of the Vulcans and you see the Andorians and all this stuff. But then also, I mean, here you're seeing like, you know, when the Vulcans are hesitant to like let the Enterprise go out in the first place, you know, there's probably reasons they're thinking about like, uh, you're not ready for this. And there's selfish reasons or there's snotty reasons that they do it. But there's also legitimate like, man, you ain't ready for everything that's out there. But it's the very human thing of, and they deal with that in this where Trip, uh, and Trip's talking about like, you can talk to anybody on the ship. They w- came here to explore. They came out here. They knew the risk. They knew what was happening. Everybody here is here to do this. Mm-hmm. And so when Archer's questioning himself to maybe we need to go back and refit everything and like, think about this again, like come back out more prepared. Trip is the one that kind of convinces him like, no, everybody's here to explore. We can handle this. We're the best of the best. We're put here to handle these kind of situations. It's, it's, you get a really good example of the crew coming together and utilizing teamwork as the crew to accomplish a mission here. And I mean, you've gotten a little bit of that here and there, but here they are like right out in the middle of space, only the ship to, to hang on to yeah. and them having to put it together and solve an issue and mm-hmm. then be brave. And there's just all these aspects that you just come to expect from Star Trek. You know, I think that's part of the reason you watch an episode like Enterprise. You're starting to see the before Starfleet was just hot. <laughs> 
in the middle of space. Yeah. Um, you know, like <laughs> this is this is before all that. This is when they dealt with they just ran up on somebody who was bigger and badder. And they had to use their intelligence and ingenuity, all of that stuff to, oh, to yeah. overcome that situation. So it was a minor incident in the scheme of things, but it was something. And so you get your first testament to that. You know, in terms of uh, to go back to how Archer may be viewing Starfleet at this point, I always think of my time in law enforcement and having to adhere to certain standards and practices that I didn't agree with and thinking these were put together by people who are not doing the job you, you stick to your guns and you know you try to make the best decisions you can and you try to get yourself ready for next time because you know it's it could be right around the corner uh gary thank you so much for coming on everybody next week we are going to be covering enterprise season one episode 11 cold front which of course is available on paramount plus uh, again if you're having trouble figuring out what to watch next, or if you're just letting the app run and just binging a bunch of episodes, pay attention uh, to the Star Trek chronology project. That list is how we've based this show. Uh, Gary, before we run, I know you spoke a little bit about the show, but give everybody the elevator pitch again for this is the NWA. And this is professional wrestling. Yeah. Um, this is the NWA or this is the, uh, this is professional wrestling. It's at TIPW show on all of the social media stuff. This is the NWA is what we originally started out, out with. We're bringing it back on the NWA's official YouTube channel starting this Tuesday. We'll be doing post shows for all of NWA power, which you can watch on fight TV. If you don't have that, it's an app you can download on your Roku or Amazon or Apple TV, whatever. We have episodes just deep diving into wrestling history, trying to eliminate all the gatekeepers help educate people that don't already know this or tell the fun stories for people that already do that sort of thing. It's just deep diving into the history of wrestling, what it is and what it means to be a fan and that whole thing. Awesome. And where can people find you on the internet? I am at this is Gary Horn or with an E and uh, the E silent until midnight, as my dad would say. Ew. And now I've done it. So I'm not dead. <laughs> and I am at Mr. Todd A. Davis on all the socials from all of us at the Computer Resume podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in 10 forward. Feel free to send us your subspace transmissions to computerresumepodcast at gmail.com or at Computer Resume on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Computer Resume podcast was created and produced by Mr. Todd A. Davis. Our logo was done by Will Martin at heyitswill.seo on Instagram. And I'm Kat Davis at that.darn.cat with a K on Instagram. The Computer Resume podcast is part of the Slice of Fried Gold Network. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Go through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We probably got some phasers and shuttle pods, and we're gonna find a brand new race. Dude, I mean that was it. I mean, um, that's what what happened with Atlanta. Like that was all spur of the moment. But I'm like Jennifer, I gotta go. Like this is the opportunity. Like they're giving us access. I mean, this is this is, this is it. Every this is everything that i started this stupid thing from the man room for yep it's like happening like billy corgan is giving us access to like just go in there and do this we're on his youtube channel like it's it's a, aside from him like signing the the check on my full-time job like this is this is everything outside of that yeah and hopefully yeah. one step closer i was, gonna, <laughs> I was gonna say i i mean you know i said it early on i was just like dude it, it's coming i know it is so you'll get there. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Directed um, by Roxanne Dawson, uh, who plays Belana Torres in Voyager. Could you hear all that? A little bit. Hold on, I'm sorry. That's okay. What is happening? Apologies, buddy. I'm not a problem. Not a problem. Although it, <laughs> for a second there, I thought you were yelling at Jen. <laughs> oh, no. I was well, like, no, no, he's yelling at the dogs. 
Well, it, I was just yelling at everyone, actually, but I was doing it in a joking manner. I had a smile on my face. I was like, what is going on down here? And Jennifer was down there going like, now you've got your father involved. Look what you've done. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> oh, that's great. More fish for Clinton. <laughs>